We've tried to start this like five times. I know. Is so this one going to be the winner? Yes. <laughs> Are you ready? Okay, take six. <laughs> take seven. Saw me out of there. I love that behind you, it's a picture that says teamwork. <laughs> teamwork makes them dreamwork. Ten. Okay. Welcome to another. <laughs> Eleven. Welcome to another episode of Gem Junkies. I'm Brecken. And I'm Jonathan. And we are back this week with a new and exciting episode all on gold. gold. Yeah. So we we're kind of we're not running out of gemstones, but we're we're getting down there. Yeah, we I mean, are. We're, we're, we've done all the A the A list. So then you gotta go to the B list. <laughs> We might even be on C-list celebrities now. <laughs> but so we thought, what's something that we use in all of our jewelry every day and that we really, I really didn't know that much about? Yeah. And so we talked, we said gold. And it's been loved by man since the beginning of time. Yeah. And women. Mankind. Womankind. Humankind. Humankind. Wow. I'm glad I went on. I'm glad. I'm glad you did that and not me. Is humankind? Yes. Yeah, there we go. We're equals. Yep. But okay, so let's just get out. What does the name gold mean? Okay, so gold is, as we know, it is a Proto-Germanic word meaning to shine, to gleam, or to be yellow or green. Okay, so the Latin word for gold is aurum. Which means to glow. So think like aura, aurum, aura, kind of that same root word. And it is also AU on the periodic table because it is its own thing. Yeah, because gold is an element, whereas most of the things that we talk about are things that are made up of multiple things. Multiple elements. And grow. Yeah, so gold is like its own thing. Yeah. <laughs> which is kind of cool. Um, it is believed that gold has been mined for over 7,000 years. The earliest artifacts that we have found to date were found in the Varna necropolis in Bulgaria, and those date from 4,700 to 4,200 BC. And they're actually these burial sites where people are adorned with gold and... Uh, you know, gold necklaces, gold symbols, all mm-hmm. sorts of these. There's actually one mummy who, earmuffs for kids, was buried with a gold penis. Okay. <laughs> so that's one of the earliest gold artifacts we have made by humans. <laughs> gold penis. There you go. Okay. Okay, kids can listen now. Um, and the oldest known gold mine that we actually know of uh, dates to the 3rd or 4th millennia B.C., and that's located in Georgia, the country, not the state. Right. And But there has actually been gold nuggets found in caves used by cave dwellers that date back 40,000 years. Wow. So gold is the earliest recorded metal employed by humans. Hmm. And... I mean, why why did we decide to choose gold as our metal of choice? It's a good question. So it's because it's, as far as metals go, pretty boring, right? That's what makes it so great. That's what makes it so easy to work with. So it's not radioactive, pro. 
it's not difficult to extract or mine. So it doesn't take chemicals or anything like that to really extract it or mine it. It has a lower melting point for smelting and turning into other shapes and objects. It's easy manipulated, easily manipulated. It's a soft metal. So even with very rudimentary tools like the early humans had, they could form it into sandals. There was uh, Egyptians that had gold sandals, Egyptian mummies. It is actually the most malleable metal. And malleable is the ability to deform under compressive stress without fracturing. Yeah. So Uh, you can take one ounce of gold and you can, if you draw it into really thin wire, it'll be over 80 kilometers long. That's crazy. Yeah. And if you beat it into a flat like plate, it can be beaten into a nine square meter or 30 square foot, or it could be beaten or flattened into a nine square meter, which is almost 30 square feet, uh, square. Uh, so the one ounce, one ounce of gold can be drawn out into thin wire and it would be over 80 kilometers long. One ounce. Or if it was flattened, it could be flattened into a nine square meter, which is almost 30 square feet. So that's how malleable it is. Okay, so let me, 80 kilometers, I'm trying to figure this out. So a 20K is 13 miles. So 26, 39. So that's four times as much. 52 miles. Four times 13. Yeah, Yeah. 52 miles. 52 miles. I did public math and it was excellent. (laughs) Two weeks in a row. Bam. One ounce of gold can be a 52 mile long piece of wire. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Without fry, without, without fracturing. It's going to be pretty small. Very, very, (laughs) they said very thin, but still that the fact that the wire would still hold together, it it still holds together. It doesn't fracture. And that's why it is the most malleable. And that's why we can get all that delicate, beautiful chain. Right. Bam. All right. Okay. So So why else is gold? It is non-reactive. Believe it or not, there are some things that will, some elements that will just explode when they're exposed to air. Gold mm-hmm. doesn't do that. Like, yes. Right. Um, it also doesn't tarnish like silver. It maintains its beautiful luster for thousands of years. Yeah, it's one of the few metals that is resistant to corrosion and oxidation in moist air. And it's, those are called noble metals. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are eight main noble metals, gold being one of them. I love the periodic table. You're speaking my language of love. (laughs) Chemistry. (laughs) All right. So also, it is rare, but not impossible to find. Right. So there has to be those two. It's rare, but you can find it and use it. And there is enough quantity of it to put some value with it. Right. And then it. the other cool thing is it does not change mass easily. So once you make a ring that weighs, you know, a couple ounces or something, it would be a heavy ring. That'd be a very heavy <laughs> ring. A couple ounces? How about a few grams? A few grams of gold. It's not going to change its mass very easily, easily. over time. I mean, right. you do have to reshank rings, obviously. Yeah. It does wear down, but it's not like within a year. It's more likely to bend yeah. than it is to actually come apart. Yeah. And so that's why it makes the most sense that gold was chosen as our metal of choice. Right. And also it has that alluring gold color. Yeah. The shiny yellow, beautiful, calling out to us, wear me, adorn yourself with me. 
make something beautiful with me. Can I move on? You can move on. <laughs> you were like on one right today. I don't know what your deal is. That's your second one. Are we on to Did my you, part? You're, we're on to your part. Okay. How many cups of coffee did you have? <laughs> Just one because I haven't been sleeping at night. So. But she did, have, she did have a cup of tea at lunch. It was bomb tea, so it could be. No, I'm just excited to be back down in the basement doing what we do. Yeah. So one of the questions I get a lot is people understanding um, carrot gold. So, you know, 14 carat, 18 carat, 24 carat. What does it really mean? What is the difference? Right. So pure gold, 100% gold is 24 carat. Bam. But you Real don't. Soft. But you don't use it right. So in its pure form, it is quite soft, and it'd be too soft for jewelry. There is some twenty-four karat jewelry, but it needs to be handled with care. Right. But typically, the the highest gold is called the that's used and is alloyed is called crown gold, which is twenty-two karat. Mm-hmm. So twenty-two divided by twenty-four that gives you ninety-one point six 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 percent gold. So 91.67%. Okay. Percent. <laughs> you don't like my 6666666666? And the color is different too. Right. Because gold is by definition yellow. Yellow. Or actually, to be official, they say that it's slightly reddish yellow. It is a very intense yellow color. Slightly reddish. <laughs> yes. Reddish, reddish. yellow okay. is the official. All right. Go on, John. Anyway, so. Um, so then you add other metals to it to get less than 24 karat. That's called so, alloying. Correct. It's alloying. Metallurgy. So the most common ones, like I said, crown gold, which isn't as common. Then you have 18 karat gold, which is right exactly at 75% gold. Then the most common in the U.S. is 14 karat gold, which is 58.33333333. Yeah, because you like my multiple numbers. Uh, which rounds off to 58.33. It wasn't a freeze of it. it was the sixes. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see. And then 10 karat gold, back to the sixes, is 41.67%, which is also used a lot in the U.S. But typically, it's 14 karat gold. So then a lot of people ask, okay, so if what we normally use in the U.S. is 58% gold, what's the other 42%? Good question. So it depends on what color gold you want to do. So if you want to, if you're just, if it's 14 karat yellow gold, they mix it with copper and silver. If you want to make 14 karat white gold. I had no idea. Yeah. Cool. All right. Continue. If you want to make. I'm learning. And there may be some other smaller parts, but the main parts, this is. And this is traditionally what's used. So if you want to make white gold, like we just talked about, gold is traditionally yellow. So now you have gold, 58% of it is yellow. How do you make it white? Yeah. So it's you can mix it with either nickel. Which some people are allergic to. Right. Which, and is not allowed in Europe. Yeah. In Europe, you're not allowed to use nickel um, or silver or palladium. Mm-hmm. Which palladium is what's normally used in Europe, but the problem with palladium is is it's a harder metal. It's not as malleable mm-hmm. as nickel, so it and so it's how- it's more difficult to work with. So mm-hmm. a lot of your you know your bench workers and your goldsmiths don't like to work with nickel-free gold as well. It's harder to cast. It's harder to work with. Harder to polish. Yeah. So it's it's not as good that way. I mean, um, in white gold, <clears throat> you constantly have to rhodium plate. 
Not so much with the palladium. Uh-huh. But yes, again, when you're in 14 karat gold or even like 18 karat white gold, you're yeah. suddenly 75% of it is yellow and then you're making 25%. So yes, generally speaking, which normally when you're plating, they do rhodium, rhodium plating, which rhodium is another metal that's in the platinum family. Yeah. Noble metal. It's another, yeah, I think it is a noble metal. I think rhodium, yeah. rhodium is. Um, then uh, you get to your pink or rose gold. Uh, or red. So if you want to make red gold, you do the, the, all, the whole other part will be copper. What? Yeah. So you mix copper with gold and that gets you your red gold. Oh, your pink here. Yeah. And then if you want to go more pink, then you mix it with not just copper, but copper and silver or copper and zinc. Oh, because it kind of tones down. It tones the color down the, the cop copper. the copper. Because okay. if you go copper and gold, so you've got this reddish yellow from the gold and Talk then the to me red. About blue gold. Blue That's gold. A thing. Yeah. yeah, blue gold's really complicated. I don't really understand. <laughs> like, Sorry. <clears throat> it's more of like an. It's Talk more to me of, about green gold. <laughs> yeah. So green gold's really interesting. So you can get green gold naturally. So it's called electrum. Mm-hmm. which it's a naturally occurring alloy and it's one of the n- oldest naturally occurring alloys and that's what they had in Greece it's natu- it's found in Greece and so it has um primarily it's uh gold and with with silver and then e- some combination trace amounts of copper platinum and some other things but generally mostly just gold and silver and that natural gold and silver electrum is is kind of it's kind of a greenish yellow. But mm-hmm. um, the only way to get like a really really strong green that I've found is to use cadmium. Which I don't know if you know much about cadmium, but there was a whole thing that came out against cadmium because it's toxic. Oh, probably so, not the best. Not the best. To be using but that's the best way to get a true green gold okay. is cadmium mm-hmm. with. Um, but it's not really wearable. Gold. Yeah, it's not really wear- wearable. Um, it's not as bad like if you do crown gold, if you, you can do like crown gold and so you're, you know, 91% and only 8% cadmium, but mm-hmm. cadmium is just, it's kind of nasty. Not. Let's just not. It's kind of nasty stuff. And it's again, it's against the law in the U.S. to put cadmium <laughs> so, in your alloy. So, so, please don't try this at home. Don't do this. <laughs> so it, it was a problem, I think back in the 90s. The, there was a bunch of really inexpensive jewelry that was made. I think silver jewelry that they used cadmium with, and it was a problem. Um, and then there's uh, more of either like a surface treatment or you can actually alloy. It's it's like an oxidation kind of. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's how you do the blue. And then you, so then you cast it as normal and then afterwards you heat it to a certain temperature and you can actually get it like a sapphire blue. Hmm. But maybe sometime we'll do another episode on metals and we'll get a metal. Metallurgians. Yeah. That kind of cool. We'll get someone in that actually understands it a little bit more than I do. So, um, I when, thought you did a great job. Jeff. So that's the, okay. that's the simple, the simple parts of alloy and carrot gold. Uh, then the other thing that we were telling you were talking about that it is, it's pretty, it's fairly plentiful. So currently in existence, they estimate there's around 187,000 tons. Thousand tons, okay. Of gold that exists above ground as of 2017. That numbers. has been mined. That has been mined. Okay. Yeah. And then the consumption of gold. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about jewelry, which is the number one consumer, the number one use of gold. 
And 50% of that gold that is currently in existence is in jewelry. Ooh, jewelry is king for gold, yeah. So 187,000 tons of gold. (laughs) That's a lot of jewelry. And then if you figure most of that has been carried out into 14 or 18 carat, think about how much weight there is in jewelry in the world. That's pretty cool. Pretty amazing. So then the other 40% is in investments. So that's like gold bullion, coins, coins, all that kind of bars, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So that's 40% of it. And then the the last 10% is in industrial. And so they use that a lot in microchips and in wire and in because it's really good for for that. Um, And currently the largest producer of gold is China. And China is producing, again, like 2017 numbers, uh, around 440 tons of gold per year. It's a lot of gold. That's a lot of gold. 440 tons per year. Wow. But if you take 187,000 and divide it by 440, I think that's somewhere around 200 and some years it would take to to get the... Anyway, uh, and then if you talk about the richest place in gold, so what has the most gold in a single area, not necessarily the biggest producer, but the richest would be South Africa. And they say that out of South, the, the gold that came out of South Africa makes up 22% of all the gold in the world came out of that one, came out of one place. Yeah. It was, and I think uh, you have a little bit more about why. Where gold comes from. Where did from? gold come from? Because gold is just its own element. Yeah, it's an element. Right? So, so how, how did we get gold on the earth? How did we get... So there are celestial origins to gold here. Celestial. So traditional... So angels brought it? <laughs> no, it happened up in the cosmos. Oh, oh, that kind of celestial. Yeah. We're talking like four billion years ago and that kind of stuff. Well, longer actually. So traditionally, it is traditionally thought that gold is produced in a supernova nucleosynthesis. And this is a theory. Let's just be clear. This is what the leading scientists, this is their theory because we don't really really know. Because no one's been able to like walk up to a supernova nuclear synthesis and take some samples. Yeah. But it's been theorized that this is how it's it's created also from the collision of neutron stars. And so it's believed that when our solar system was forming, it was present in the dust that kind of formed our solar system. But the Earth in the beginning was a great big ball of fire, molten. molten. Yeah, so almost all the gold present on the Earth during its formation probably sank to the core because because of its molten state. Well, and gold's heavy Mm -hmm. because of its specific gravity. And that's how you pan for gold is the gold goes to the bottom compared to everyone else. So So, so most of the gold that helped make up our Earth when it was forming is probably somewhere down close to the core. So if we get into the core of the Earth, we could probably find all the gold we'd ever want. Yeah, but you you would burn up. I mean, there's no getting down there. You never know. You never know. You never Uh, know. So where did the, the gold on the surface come from? Angels. (laughs) Angels. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> ah, dang it. <laughs> Meteor showers. Yeah, actually, yeah. So You're most, a, yeah, pretty much. most of the gold on the Earth's mantle or crust is thought to have been delivered to the Earth later by asteroid impacts during the late heavy bombardment, which is about four 
billion years ago. So four billion years ago, the Earth was just getting hammered, hammered. and asteroids, and that's how we got all and that's of our how gold we get our... deposited onto the crust of the Earth. But that's also why the crust of the Earth isn't flat. Too, right, because of bombardment. So that's yeah, how you get so your like, deep oceans. And so your, where Jonathan was saying the... In South Africa. In South Africa, one of the richest areas. And what's the name of that? Okay, so the crater in South Africa Jonathan was referring to was the Verdefort Crater, which was an asteroid that impacted the Earth two billion years ago. And it, I believe, is the largest known asteroid to ever impact the Earth. And what that did was it didn't actually plant any gold there. It kind of cleared the land, so the gold was more visible to the surface, and that's why it is the richest producing area of gold known to man right now. Pretty cool. Known to humankind. Known to humankind. <laughs> there is also gold in our oceans. Yes. Yeah. Bearing sea gold. No. No, there's gold in the water. <laughs> Seawater gold. Oh. oh. It, but it's like one part per gazillion something. It's super minuscule. They hmm. believe um, they believe that there's about 15,000 tons of gold in the ocean. So not really that. In seawater. Yeah. The problem is extracting it. Yeah. Because there, how many not... gallons of seawater exactly. are there in the world? Well, you'd get one part per gazillion gallons or yeah, something like that. So it's really not. It's not worth harvesting. It's not worth harvesting. Unless it settles. Yeah. And then it's worth harvesting, like in Bering Sea Gold. Mm -hmm. And there's the Mediterranean Sea is actually richer in gold than like the Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic Ocean. And that just has to do with runoff, stream runoff into into the ocean hmm. and, where, and where the water's coming from. So they mine gold there? No, because it's still like one gazillionth, oh. one part per gazillion. Oh. But, it should, but it is richer, richer, I guess, in quotes. <laughs> oh, okay. In it's quotes. It's still terribly difficult. So gold has kind of fueled society, like gold and the quest for gold has kind of fueled society War. and pushed society forward since its discovery, since its use. Yeah. Um, we can look back, a lot of the expanse of the Roman Empire is due to a quest for gold. Yeah, the um, war. They used it for adornment and as a standardized currency, so there was a need for it. And they just kept expanding anywhere there was gold. Um, they would use hydraulic mining methods such as hushing, which is where streams are diverted to erode gold-bearing gravel, or ground sluicing, which is what you think of like the 49ers doing in San Francisco. Right. And they... They spread so far. I mean, one of their greatest projects was in Spain, uh, Transylvania. They had a huge operation. They even, that's why they went into Great Britain and Britain. That's why the Romans were there. They were looking for gold yeah. and also into Egypt. And it was the standard for currency for a very long time. It was even in the U.S. Do you know what year we stopped using a gold standard? Oh, I don't know. The 70s? Yep. Yeah, it's like 19, I think it's 1971. That's amazing. Shit went down in the 70s. Yeah. I believe it was 1971, but I know it was in the 70s that we quit using a gold standard, which that really surprised me when I read that because I thought it was like way earlier than that for yeah, some I reason. Yeah, I just remember but Fort Knox the, and keeping all the gold in Fort Knox. Yeah, and but it was wasn't. US, yeah, it was clear yeah. to the 70s that we used a gold standard. That's anyway. amazing. So the quest for gold also brought Europeans to the New World in search of riches. Um, the Spanish off, obviously had the quest for El Dorado. They were kind of Ooh, ruthless. El Dorado. Yeah. We could the, do a whole episode just on El Dorado. We probably could. But the Spanish were kind of ruthless in their quest for gold. Um, it was the Aztecs 
loved it so much. They thought the act, they actually thought gold was a product of a god. Oh. So their word for gold, which is a Aztec word, which I'm not going to attempt to say because I butchered that. <laughs> but the Aztec word for gold literally means god excrement. Oh, so they thought it was the poop of God. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but... That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So that was the Aztec word. So, and when Montezuma was killed, they actually sent all of his gold and all of his treasures. The Spanish spent all of his, all of his gold and treasures back to Spain. And it was melted down and used for crown jewels and all that kind of stuff. And even in the U.S., Jamestown, which is one of the earliest American settlements, began as a gold mining venture. So gold has kind of propelled human history. Yeah. And the quest for gold, it's the quest for riches. Yeah. Right? The need for for power and money, which is what gold kind of symbolizes. Um, I am, Jonathan and I are getting ready to go to Michigan to celebrate with my brother. He's getting married next week. And so I thought it would be kind of fun to talk about the history of the gold wedding band or kind of why we use gold for our wedding rings. Because of Ben's wedding, I am kind of, I, I have to give a speech Oh, Did you know that? I didn't know that. I I am doing a toast. My brother killed it at my at our wedding. He did. He had people laughing and crying. He kills it at every wedding. So I have really been researching, you know, what to say, how to, you know, pull up some heartstrings. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about gold wedding rings and the symbolism behind that and why we use gold. Yeah, which and is really the beginning of gold jewelry, kind of. Kind of. Uh, anyway, it's really the driving factor of the jewelry industry in the United States. <laughs> so you can say that. Okay. Okay. So first example of wedding rings date back over 6,000 years ago to ancient Egypt, where papyrus scrolls depict the exchange of braided rings of hemp or reeds between spouses. Not very durable. Right? Or much shelf life on yeah, that. Yeah, much shelf life. Um, but the ancient Egyptians considered the circle to be a symbol of eternity. So no beginning and no end. And the ring served to signify the perpetual love of the spouses. And so they were the first really to exchange wedding bands. Um, hemp and reed were not very durable, so they were later replaced with leather, bone, or ivory which was carved and used as a ring. We can thank Romans for metal rings. Um, the groom would present his bride with a gold ring if they were higher class, silver if they were a free citizen, and iron if they were slaves. And that ring would symbolize strength and permanence. They placed the ring on the fourth finger of the left hand because they believed that finger contained the vena amoris, or the vein of love. So it's thought that there's a vein that goes from that finger straight to your heart. So that's why you wear it on the fourth finger of your left hand. Um, gold is lasting and unaffected by time. So there's some symbology there too with your union. Um, the value of the wedding ring also showed the bride's parents that the groom was able to take care of their daughter. So the nicer the ring, the fancier the ring, the more likely the parents were going to say, okay. And so they were often related to dowries. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would be given a nice ring as part of the dowry. 
And that led them to eventually also being adorned with precious gems like diamonds and sapphires and rubies and all sorts of other gems that we use in our engagement rings today. Uh, one of the cool things about gold is that you can also eat it. Yes. You can. You can. But here's the, here's the thing. <laughs> I read about this because I, I was curious about this because we talked about gold and the people I mean, use it in food and in drinks right, and the whole thing. I read the whole, the FDA came out and was like, there could be some toxicity to it. Yeah, because is it 100% pure gold? Right. It's not gold itself. So gold will pass through your body completely. It does nothing. It's completely inert. Oh, yeah, so have they. So it has zero calories. It has, so basically it just runs through your system. Right. So whatever you take in, you put out. So... You could sluice through. You could sluice. You could, yeah, you could. That's gross, Vic. Sorry. Wow. Sorry, guys. This that would be like sluicing crude. through ocean water, but gross. I think that's like a third reference to poop on yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. So anyway, in medieval times, they would often decorate food with gold to demonstrate wealth but there was also a belief that if something was as valuable or rare as gold, then it also must be good for your health. Must be. It must be because it's so precious and rare that it must have some. Is that benefit. also why they ate all the gemstone Jewels, dust yeah. and like? Because that's what came up, and we never really talked about that. And we have always talked about it's always crush this ingesting. up for that. It's always ingesting it. Yeah. But that must go back but, to the same theory. Yeah, it has some sort of power now. Gold is believed to have great health benefits. Some of them are regulating body temperature, increasing circulation, and also curing arthritis. Hmm. But there is this, there is this aura. Aura. Oh, jeez. Around gold, and it's often used to, um, Award great human achievements, right? So your Nobel Prize is gold. All your your best yeah. Olympic, Olympic medal, medal is gold. Yeah. You live by the golden rule. There's so the best part of being human has to do with gold. Right. It's the highest achievement. Even though now it's not even the most expensive. There's a lot of other things: diamond, platinum. You know, there's a lot of other things that are more expensive than gold. Mm -hmm. But yet, gold has still maintained its. The gold standard. Yeah. <laughs> but she even wore her gold dress. She did. I did. I'm in my gold colored dress today. So the the last thing I wanted to kind of talk about, which, you know, I'm a science freak, is alchemy. Alchemy. And you gotta alchemist. love alchemy. It's and how the the alchemists in the medieval times wanted to turn lead into gold. Obviously you can't really turn anything into gold. I mean, because gold is its own element. Nothing is gonna turn into gold. Right? They didn't know that, though. Yeah, but that's actually not true. I'll let you get to that later. But So they never succeeded, sadly. But what they did do, and this is another driving factor of gold, it, it progressed science. Yeah. Right? So Yeah, because alchemy eventually turned into real, real science. It turned into real science. So although they, they never succeeded in, in turning lead into gold, they did promote a systematic way of finding what could be done when you mixed things together, um, which led to chemistry and also the scientific method, ruling out things, looking at, looking at the world from a scientific So you can almost say that the way. Which pushed us out of the dark ages. And had us spread out. Yeah. yeah. What we were talking about before is the Roman Empire spreading out and all of, you know, so gold kind of 
we're kind of where we are today because of gold. I am. Yeah, I mean, I would say especially it. us. Especially, but I mean, especially what but we do. Humankind. Yeah. Humankind yeah. is where it is today. Yeah. But what's interesting is, is you cannot turn lead into gold. Right. But you can synthesize gold. It has been done. It was first done in 1924 uh, by a Japanese physicist, Hantaro Nagaoka, who synthesized gold from mercury. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of... Yeah. So well, there's a lot it of was done in 1924, and it was done by neutron bombardment. And then an American team who was working without knowledge of his prior study conducted the same experiment in 1941, which that's pretty amazing. 1924, they did it in Japan and we didn't do it till 1941. That's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they achieved the same results showing that the isotopes of gold that were produced, but they were all radioactive. Yeah. So it wasn't gold that you could really use. So, but now gold can be currently manufactured in a nuclear reactor by irradiation of either Mercury or cyanide. What? Platinum. Oh, okay. I was like, no, ah. not, wow, you went real dark. Uh, so, but only the mercury isotope um, can be converted to gold by neutron capture. Yeah. Okay. So mercury and gold have like a history together. Did you know that? I didn't know that. So. A lot of, especially uh, ancient Chinese, how they would adorn, they would adorn wooden boxes with gold. And how they would do it was they would make a paste out of gold and mercury. And they would smear it all over the box. And then they would heat it and the mercury would evaporate and the gold would be left. Terrible for your health. Terrible. It's, it's toxic. So it yeah. Because mercury is terrible for you. Yeah, mercury is terrible for you. But um, they used it to kind of coat their wooden boxes and adorn their homes and palaces. So obviously, Jonathan and I are headed out to a wedding next week. My brother's getting married. Congratulations, Ben and Carly. So we'll be in Michigan enjoying that. The 20s are going to be flower girls. So we're not going to have an episode next week, but look for us the following week. We'll be back with some more gem junkie... Something. Silliness. If there's something <laughs> else that you would like to hear about... Feel free to uh, shout out and let us know what you'd like to, what else you'd like to hear about. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to see what we do in our real life, you can always follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Parlay Gems. Thank you, Bracken. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, you guys. Have a great week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.